Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. And today we are back again with another podcast with a special guest in the building. Say what's up. Hey, guys, what's up? How are you doing? And if you guys don't know, this is Lucas. Uh, you know, for the new viewers out there, you want to introduce yourself and, you know, all that good stuff. All right. Hello, guys. I am Lucas Rizal Vergara but you could just call me Lucas. I recently graduated from Loyola High School. I'm doing, I'm going to delay college for a year to do a gap year. Then I'll go to college. And it's been a fun four years. It's been a fun few years. I've, I love writing. I love, I love writing. I love the, I love analyzing history. I love generally, I love generally history and that type of thing. And I've been getting more and more into into sports, just trying to understand it, I guess. That's pretty that's pretty much pretty much it if I were to do like a, a paragraph summary. That's good to hear. Uh so you talked about Loyola and your four years since now you graduated from freshman year to graduation day to the present moment right now. How would you say like you improve or like what has Loyola offered you to become like a better person? I think that the main thing that has the main thing that I noticed with myself is that I'm more comfortable in my own skin because in freshman year, I was a runt. I didn't really know what I was doing. You could best describe me as the new kid on the block. Right. And now and so was everyone for that matter, but especially me, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no idea what I was going to do. It was just sort of in flux. Everything was amorphous, right? But over time, I sort of came into myself. There was stuff that I started doing, trying out, like with track and field or debate, and even stuff outside of school, like with orchestra and music. I started getting into music a lot more. I started writing a lot more. And sure, some things didn't work out. I stopped doing track after COVID, debate sort of fell away, but there's stuff that I still did. Like with music, I maintained my orchestra membership for about three years and I still, I'm still a part of it and I still write. And, and in that regard, I have developed as a person greatly because now I think that with the main thing that Loyal offered me was resilience, I think. I'm sure that a lot of people could generally agree with that, which with, with that statement, which is that Loyola prepared me for sort of the wider world. Sure, with COVID and all of that nonsense that started happening, it was unexpected, but Loyola managed to adapt surprisingly well to it. And although I crashed and burned in the, first, in the, in the second semester of sophomore year, I managed to hold it back together and after that it was just a it was just a slow rise to the top that's the best way that i could describe it really you know yeah i feel that and you also mentioned by you're taking a gap year program i forgot did you you said you're you're going to indiana right i'm going to indiana university bloomington most likely I already did the enrollment deposit there mm -hmm. and it basically has everything that I would ever want. Right. If I wanted to do like music, if I wanted to do history, law, even like maths and stuff like they have any degree I could ever think of. And since Indiana is a 
big school. I could meet lots of people. It's it's an it's an appealing thing also because California and Indiana are very different. California's by the coast, it's a beach. Winter doesn't exist here, stuff like that. While in Indiana, there's no beach, it's close to rivers. The climate in winter could best be described as hell frozen over sometime, stuff like that. And so I thought it would be interesting to do, you know. I thought yeah. Indiana would be a choice. And why did you decide to choose? Or well, you did go into depth about why you choose Indiana, but is there any more details to it or like more in depth of like out of all the other colleges that you got acceptance from, was it hard to choose Indiana or like anything in general? There was some things, there's some factors that was sort of go was sort of going into my choice. For one, it was for, for a long time, it was actually me going to Loyola Chicago because it seemed to have the things I wanted. But the only thing was that it did not have a deferment option. And so I'd have to reapply. Right. Mm-hmm. Granted, I did talk to like the admissions counselors and they did say that I'd probably get accepted again because I already had stuff on file with them. But at the same time, I thought it was just a lot of hassle to deal with. You know, having to do all the extra paperwork when I had to worry about other stuff while I was, while I had to worry about other stuff. So I thought that it simply made more sense to just go with Indiana because it's a more well-rounded option and their graduate school is pretty good. There's stuff that I could do with them. Either, either way, I thought that overall, it was just a good choice to go to Indiana because it was the most well-rounded option out of all of them. And it made sense for my particular circumstances. And you said you mentioned a gap year program and why did you decide to take a gap year program and not continue with class? I decided to go with a gap year program because there are certain things in my life that were, I won't go too much into detail because it's too pedantic, I think to sort of talk about my, to talk about every intricacy of my life story. But generally speaking, I felt lost during high school. And that sort of coalesced around senior year where I sort of found myself in some ways, but that sense of loss is still there, I feel like, in the sense that there hasn't been as many things that I felt was, that I felt was stable, right? Mm-hmm. But I could essentially, for college, I'm lucky that my parents afford to pay for college, and I'm going to be forever thankful for that. But at the same time, even if I have an idea as to what I want to do, I don't really have the exact ideas of what I want to do yet. And I felt that I wanted a different type of challenge that college simply could not provide at this time, that which was primarily non-academic challenges like in the field whether it was working whether it was working one of the things that was offered for example was an internship in Tokyo Japan and based on the types of types of companies that were offered it's either probably going to be media communications or corporate so I thought it would be inherently beneficial for me to do that and there's also a study in in Malaga Spain so I got for Spanish and so I felt that I could sort of secure my Spanish learning and reinforce it 
with all the experience I had at Loyola. And there are other things, there are other compounding factors made, that made me want to do a gap year. And it was, if I were to just summarize it quickly, it would be because I wanted non-academic challenges and it would be very different versus say going to, versus say going to college immediately. I know that some people say that going to college immediately is the best choice and I'm not going to say, or I'm not going to say whether that's the best choice for everyone. And I'll disclose by saying that that's something that should be ultimately up to your discretion. But for me, at least, I determined that doing a gap year was just the best choice for was just the best choice for me based on what I knew about myself and what I needed to do. So that's my, my that's my answer. And you mentioned in the beginning when you were introducing yourself that you like history. What brought upon history for you? Like, why do you like history? Because I know, for example, Jordan, who I uh, we did a podcast yesterday and it's out now. He talked about his journalism and how he f- grew fond to journalism. So for you, how did you grow fond to history? For history, it was when I was very young. And I feel like for a lot of people, the stuff that they tend to be invested in, like in the modern day, tends to happen, tends to implant itself when we're young, when we're, when we're children. And I'd agree with that sentiment because I fell in love with history since I was very young. Now I was like in third grade, second, third grade. It was just something that entranced me, honestly. Like, why do things happen the way they do? And why did they, and how does the past influence us? And how can we influence the future? Those are the types of questions that really inspired me. And there's also stuff like with our history, alternate history, thinking about, oh, what if this event happened in a different way. And it was a nice thought exercise because I felt like it made me understand history better. And there's just, for me, what was really interesting about history was that it was real. It happened, right? Mm-hmm. That there's there's this just sort of like real gravitas behind it, like the random dice roll of history where I, I'll go over a quick example where Julius Caesar was at the Rubicon and he could have decided that to just abandon ship and not and not send his not send his legion to take over Rome in a decision that he made he decided that he would do so and that changed history forever Julius Caesar took over Rome he won the Roman civil war he became the emperor the dictator of Rome forever until he got assassinated and then you could trace all of those all of those events to us and that invariably means that the events that we are involved in today impact our future. And that's what I find to be very appealing about it. I'd say that a significant portion of my interests today are based indirectly or directly on history in some way. That's what I'd say. And you were talking about like the dictatorship and stuff. And I feel like, or for me, I already know the answer to this, but for the viewers, I'll just say that it seems like history has a major role for you liking politics. What politics? What do you mean? Like, I mean, you are a politics man, right? Are you not? I'd say that I'm, I'd say that I'm into politics, or at least I'm well-read. 
in the political world. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on today, like today and this day about politics? Well, I'll go with the overall answer. And I'd say that, I'd say, I think that everyone can generally agree with this, but I think that there's something fundamentally wrong with what's going on today. That many people can and will inevitably disagree over what's exactly wrong. And I'm sure that's something that, that's the type of nuance that I had to learn over time that I learned throughout high school and in middle school and stuff like that. But one thing that I always say, or I'll say now, is that whatever's going on right now, there's just something wrong. I don't, I, there's just something going on that I don't like, right? Like with the economy going, going terribly wrong and foreign policy, Ukraine with Russia, there's just all these things that just, they're not going the way they should. Right. And fundamentally, that's what politics really is. Politics is about in is about having your vision of what you think is correct or what you think is best being being implemented at a wide level. Right. Mm -hmm. And what if you're going to ask me, like what I personally believe. Right. I ultimately believe that there are things that are wrong in society and that they need to be fixed. Right. That's what I, that's what I personally believe. Mm-hmm. And going off what you're saying, I want to bring this to the current news about gun violence. I want to like, what are, your, what are your thoughts and opinion about gun violence? With gun violence, well, I'd say first off, sort of to get this out of the way, that the amount of violence that is happening not only in the United States but across the world is terrible. It is something that shouldn't happen. I personally despise that it's happening and that I pray for those who fell victim to said gun violence, not just gun violence, like massacres at schools like Uvalde or, or Uvalde or like Parkland, but war, but generally things like war or crime. Those are things that I find to be terrible. Right. I'll say, I'll say that, but with gun violence, it's a very broad question. I feel like if you were to ask me what's going on, I guess I'd say the only thing I could really say to that broad of a question is that what's going on isn't a good thing. That something should be done to something should be done to fix it. But I think that I need a more specific question if if that's what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. I feel, for you know like how they're going the constitution when the founding fathers founding fathers made the constitution like signed the document but one of the i feel like the biggest flaws the right to bear arms because i don't think well back then it was never a bigger problem but now it escalated to the point where 18 year old kids are just buying ars and like just going to schools and shooting do you think something has to change with that i think that with gun violence or just violence in general, I think we have to sort of dig into the root causes of what is happening. Because with, I'll give an example, I guess, but with Britain, for example, with the United Kingdom, they actually banned most guns, not just assault weapons, but guns in general, or they significantly restricted them to to the hands of the public. And what ended up happening was that the 
and I could, and I could, this is just my recollection, but uh, in, it, there was a dramatic increase in the, of, in the amount of stabbings, in the amount of stabbings that happened. And so with, with, I know this is, this is a bit heavy, but with things like the terrorist, the London Bridge terrorist attacks and stuff like that, it was def, there, I'm saying, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is that to and to ban certain types of weapons is not necessarily going to fix the heart of the problem, at least that based on what I've seen, right? Mm -hmm. That if you were to ask me what happened at Uvalde, the main thing that caused the deaths, to me more than anything, was the incompetence of that particular police force. They had to call people. They had to call the bloody border patrol from like the southern border, which from miles away to go in and not only that but they also but not only that but they also prevented others from trying to save their own children which was which baffled me when it happened right and i think that if you were to ask me regarding like the gun violence problem how to fix it or whether the second amendment is this is this like universally good thing or not like i personally believe in the second amendment you could ask me why later on, but if you were to ask me how you could fix it, right, how you could fix like these school shooting problems, I think the main way is to focus on mental health, because after all, it's the people that are shooting it, they're just using guns to do it, and if they weren't going to use guns and they were going to do something, right, they were going to be, they will, they were going to be a harm to themselves and to others. So I think we should have more mental health resources and that would probably be very helpful for trying to at least stop gun violence and then you or said, any violence. You said you support or, or, you know, you said I'll ask you why you support or like the Second Amendment about right to bear arms. Mm, I personally support Second Amendment because it is a key it's a key fundamental right for any free people, right? There is, a, with freedom, there's this sort of these concepts of like freedom versus liberty and what, what constitutes a free people. And the founding fathers generally had this understanding that in order to have a free society, you needed a society that was armed because, gov because the government, if it wanted to, if a society was unarmed, could, it could do whatever it wanted to you could do whatever it wanted to society and i guess one major example of this would be with in canada where the if you weren't aware if you guys weren't aware there was trucking protests there was a trucker a trucker protest movement over mass mandates up there that started in the more conservative prairie provinces and moved east right and what ended up happening was that the canadian police and the Canadian police used more, more forceful methods to stop the protest, whether it was freezing bank accounts or, or forcefully or be using forceful physical, forceful physical moves to stop people from protesting. And it was something that it is something that for sure has for sure has negative connotations. But the point was that the main point of the Second Amendment and why it ends up being affirmed is because people who are marginalized like who people who are marginalized and people who are doing certain things right to try to protect themselves 
from from people who want to hurt them. I think that's very important. And I guess if I were to give one final example, it is that the KKK and certain dem- and certain southern governments back then discouraged gun use, discouraged the sales of guns to African Americans because if the if African Americans were unarmed, then they would be easier to control, and they would be easier to suppress and to deal violence against. And I think that's the main reason why I support the Second Amendment is because it allows a society to be freer. And that even if, say, with the issue of like saying removing guns, for example, they try doing that. It necessarily work because you have 400 million guns in circulation in the United States. And that's just the amount of guns that we know. There could be far more, like with ghost guns and stuff like that. There could be far more. And that's something that simply, even if I supported, say, gun control, it would be impractical to try to enforce trying to lower the amount of guns because there's just too many of them already. And it's arguably an inherent part of American culture, just as much as the car or, or the American flag. That's what I generally say on the matter. And he said people, on, when you give an example about the, the gun control, I mean, the right to bear arms, he said it's for protection, right? Yes, I generally, that's what I, that's what I said, generally. So what is the purpose of a gun then? The purpose of a gun, I guess it depends on what you, I guess it depends on what the person you ask with, say, the purpose of a gun more than anything else is to act as a deterrent towards others. If you're a lawful citizen who uses his gun, his or her gun, respectfully, with prudence, and with care, then the point of a gun is not just to, the point of a gun is to use it to protect yourselves, to protect yourself and the people around you, right? That's what the point of a gun is. It's like any tool, right? You could use a bait, you could use a blunt object or a, or a sword or a knife to kill someone but you could also use it to cut up food, right? And so that's, and it's the same thing with the gun. You could use a gun. Yes, you can use a gun to kill someone else. That is true. Guns have been used for hundreds of years to kill others, but guns have also been used in many other cases to protect yourself from, from bad actors. And if the cops use their guns properly, if they actually use the guns for the purposes that they should have, which was to go in there, which is to go in there and try to take out that shooter to save as many kids as they could, then we wouldn't have a tragedy that was as big as what happened in Uvalde. We wouldn't have that the tragedy in Parkland be as big either. And so it ultimately depends on what purpose right, on the person that that they're doing it. But if they're a lawful citizen, then the purpose of a gun is to protect others. So majority, so basically what I'm hearing is, for for me, I'm just interpreting that majority of the time gun is mainly used for to kill. 
the majority of the time in a gun, the general sense it's basically kill i wouldn't necessarily put it as that specific connotation right i mean okay, okay. or out of all the guns in the world and people own them i would say all there's a big percentage of those guns just being used to kill well with those specific types of guns do you mean like to just use guns, to kill? Just guns in general. yeah just guns in general just using, guns in general using guns guns in general any type of guns any model ar or whatever pistol you know any type of model of guns yeah i would say majority of those guns are made to kill or not made they're used to kill i mean that's what a gu- that's what a gun is but you could yeah. say the same about a sword or a knife or a machete right that the majority of the time they're used to they're used to cause harm to uh, to cause harm to others right mm-hmm. but we live in a world where where there are bad actors that are willing to cause that harm to others and no matter how much no matter how much top-down force we do, ironically enough, we will probably, which ironically enough, probably uses guns to do that top-down force. There will still be bad actors that are willing, that are just, that have malevolent intent. And so you might as well be prepared. There's a saying that, there's a saying that I generally go by and it makes sense to me. I'm and, I, and I'll and I guess I'll go out to the audience whether they agree or not. Is that you don't prepare the road for the person; you prepare the person for the road, right? Life sucks. You might as well put on a helmet. That sort of like general sentiment is something that I generally agree with myself. You, so there is going to be people who are going to act badly towards others, and so you might as well you might as well be in a position where you're able to defend yourself whether it is with a gun or with some other weapon with the law, that's something that I personally agree with. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in order to improve what's going on, they need to change the age from 18 to 25. Why would you change it from 18 to 25? Why not say to 24? Why not to 26? No, no, 25, I just thought of 25. I didn't think of 24, 25 just came to my mind. Mm. And I feel like 18, you're still not mature. You're, you're just, you just turned to an adult. You, let's be honest. We're, okay. most people are immature as hell. Let's be honest about it. Most people are immature as hell. And uh, you have four years of college. That's, you're going to be like 22, 23, 24, around that age. Mm-hmm. You'll probably learn. You'll, you'll probably be like a grown adult, adult but you're still moving a little bit you know you're still immature like you have like one percent of immaturity but you're like all you're like really just basically an adult at that point where you like finish college so okay. i feel like 25 would be a good number 24 25 or 26 around that age for a person to actually start bearing a weapon who wants to bear a weapon and i feel like you also need to do background checks mm. I guess the I guess if I were to respond to that, what what's the like what if I were to respond to that premise, which is that a gun eight, which correct me if I'm wrong, which is to that the age 
that a person should own a gun should increase and that there should be background checks? Is there anything yeah. else that I forgot to mention? Increase the age. Increase the age check. and background checks. Okay. Uh, I'd say that, I mean, we already consider the age of 18 to be the year in which, to be the year in which you have to do certain things on your own, in which you're an adult. If you get arrested and you are you aren't sent to you aren't sent to juvie, you're sent to prison as an 18-year-old. You could be an immature clown, for example. You could be someone who's generally immature. But if you did something wrong and you're 18 years old, you are treated as an adult and you go to prison. That is irregardless of how mentally mature someone is, right? When you're 18, you have to sign up for the Selective Service Act. At least, man, I don't know if that applies to women. I'm pretty sure it does. But when you're 18, you have to sign up for the Selective Service Act. When you're 18, you have control over your finances. When you're 18, you, have, when you're 18, you control your medical decisions, right? The world, people, and society demands your, demands your relative maturity. Right. What do you mean by demand? I mean demand in the sense that your I mean demand in the sense that it grants you and gives you a significant amount of responsibilities that you have to do yourself. It's no longer under the purview of say your parents or the state. It's under your purview. Right. Like say if you're like you're no like your guardian, for example, with your medical decisions, that is now yours. That is now and that is now mostly up to you. Like you at 18, you have at that point, you have to it, in case like an accident happens, you pretty you have to sign, or you practically have to sign us you have to sign an agreement basically saying that your parents or whoever guardians you have or whoever is necessary, right, can act on your behalf because you're an adult. Right. And so I'd say that I'd say that my society already demands a significant amount of maturity from 18 year olds. Right. And guns is but one aspect of that. Guns are but one aspect of that. And even with guns, the vast majority of the vast majority of gun owners are mature and use their guns wisely. You always you're always going to deal with the outliers of people who are crazy and are going to use and are going to use weapons, right? And even that, and that's and that's and that's going to be a factor, yes. But for most people, they're able to accept that burden, and so they do, right? That's that's generally what I'd say on that on that specific matter, right? How about the background check? Because you just only hit the age. With the background checks, that really depends. Because background checks or red flag laws or whatever, that is dependent on, a background check is dependent on your criminal record. So if you haven't done anything wrong, right? If you haven't done anything wrong with the background check, and for, for example, if you haven't done anything wrong, then you're not in the system. You could be some genocide, you could be some maniac who wants to kill people, right? That is true. But if you don't have any criminal record, then you're not in the system. 
So a background check is not going to be, I don't think it's going to be effective for what it wants to do, right? If you were to add, if you want with, with red flag laws and stuff like that, it could be more effective, let's say slowing it down. But even then, there's just a lot more minutia to it that I don't really have the time to sort of get into today, right? If you were to sort of ask me, I'd say that with background checks, it's very dependent on how much information the state has on a particular person. And if you like your privacy, if, you, if that's the sort of thing that you enjoy, you like your privacy and stuff, then you're probably not going to like background checks as much, right? And the level of effectiveness does vary. Like with the San Bernardino shootings that happened in 2016, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that the person who shot them up wasn't in the system. And that if he was in the system, my bad, that if you were in the system, then, and that if he was in the system, it was for something completely unrelated to violence. And so that's why I'd say that background checks only have a limited effectiveness. That's that's the general thing I'd go with. Okay. So <clears throat> moving on from gun violence and everything, I remember when you were on pod, my podcast a while back, you talked about, I'm pretty sure you talked about it, but you were going to start your own podcast. Is that right? There was something I was thinking about and that I was committed to for a while, but I honestly don't really know how I'm going to approach it. You know, that what I'm going to do X, Y, or Z is sort of like the hardest part, I guess, of a, I guess for me was thinking about what premise I was going to start it off with. Like, why are people going to watch? Why would people care about what I have to say? Is it just you or is it you and someone else? I feel like it's probably, I was thinking that it would be better if it was me and someone else because I could bounce off someone else and that person can provide in areas that I lacked, right? And besides, I've always found it to be more fun to have an interview or like bound or like talking to someone on, on a podcast versus sort of doing it by yourself. And so that's sort of one of the main things that has sort of held me back. And if there's one other thing that probably also held me back, it's just an idea. I'm unsure as to what that idea, right, generally is going to be insofar as how, insofar as how a podcast goes. It's like, should I go talk about politics? But if I talk about politics, then it's going to be, but if I talk about politics, then it's inevitably going to be, then it's inevitably going to be very heavy. Should I talk about history instead? It's less heavy, but it's less heavy and I could sort of inject politics whenever I need to. But at the same time, it's more of a broad topic. Should I talk about, say, should I talk about, say, philosophy or, or current events or other, or other, all of those other things, right? There's a bunch of things that I could talk about, but the, <clears throat> but it's sort of like, I'm sort of more stuck in the idea phase. If there's one way that I could describe it, I'm in a writer's block with that idea, to be honest. That's something that I, it's something that I'm just sort of scratching my head as to how I should approach it. 
that's sort of like my main problem, honestly. I mean, don't you want to post something that you you would be happy about and like you, you don't care about what other people think? Caring about what other people think. I mean, it does matter, I guess. But I guess something to consider as well is that with, especially if I'm talking about politics, right? Politics is a dangerous business. I'm sure you know that everyone everyone's aware of it in which if you say the wrong opinion and it gets into the wrong circles and at the wrong time, right, then it could cause problems for you. And while I am personally, while I'm personally fine with sort of discussing politics among like among people and even fine with discussing it online to a certain extent, at the same time, sort of going more into depth with like politics and stuff like that, there's something that I tread, it's, I, I sort of see as having to tread carefully, you know? Yeah, I would want to talk about politics, sure. I'm interested in politics, and it's honestly fun sometimes. But at the same time, I'm sure you both, I'm sure you can agree with this. Politics can be depressing, right? It can I mean, be a... I don't, I know. For me, I never touch politics. If you, I mean, no offense when people talk about politics to me or anything about history. I kind of like, I'll be there, like my body will be there, just pretend I'm listening. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to this because it's just going to be a bothersome to me. Yeah, I guess that's sort of how I view it, in which like to discuss that type of stuff. Yeah, it's fun, but. Oh, for me, it's not fun. <laughs> I, I just see it really boring and like not worth my time. Yeah, and that's a fair statement to say. People can enjoy what they people can enjoy what they want to enjoy, right? But at the same time, I guess saying is that there's just there's just a lot that I have to consider before doing that sort of stuff. And politics can be depressing, right? There are some things that just go wrong. And sometimes you're just disappointed in how in the way your government or the way your local officials do things. I mean, right? I, I, on Spotify or when I looked it up right now, there are some politics podcasts. So I think it's just how you word your stuff and phrase some sentences. I think that's when it comes to you because I know you for since sixth grade. There are times where there are lines where it's crossed when you talk about politics. Yeah. Uh, there are times where I feel like it could have been worded better. Okay, at the, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's all opinionated. You just talking about your views on politics and someone arguing about why you're wrong or why you're right, it won't change the fact that our government's still the government the way it is. So it won't yeah. really help at all for to have an argument. But having a civil discussion, it's okay. But it won't affect the government at all. Right. And I guess it's sort of like my main thing, I guess. It's a combination of that. Who would I talk to in the first place about that sort of thing? Number one, who would be, say, someone to talk about with that could be productive, that makes sense? And the second one is, and the second one is how to approach it, right? Because with certain things are just bound to be controversial, like with Roe versus Wade and abortion or gun violence, it's just going to be that way. And I want personally, I know sometimes it can be somewhat difficult and it's hard to believe, 
but I want to treat these issues with as much class as I can. And so that's why, with, along with politics, I want to be as knowledgeable as I can be in these types of subjects. That's why I'm more hesitant about making something about, say, politics versus history, for example, or philosophy, because people have a significant amount of investment in how they view it, right, and how they view certain things. And so you're, I want to be able to tread the line carefully and to say this or that or the other, right? Because simply put, it's easier to go about it when I can present it as, oh, this is what someone thinks, or this is what someone thinks, or this is what I think over, say, some a glorified rant, you know? But that's, that's sort of the, beside the point, I guess. I think maybe instead of politics, you can do like world news and stuff like that, like you know, like those channel news, like maybe do something like that where it won't be that controversial. Maybe like an update about like some situations and like add some history behind it. Yeah. I thought it would be cool, right? There's there's just, I guess there's a bunch of ideas floating in my head. And the first one is like, whether I should do it by myself or with others. And more than anything, it's also just, ideas sort of shifting towards other things, you know? Like, oh, I thought it might have been a good idea in the past, but today I'm not as gung-ho about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess if you're going to ask me about, like, what, what what I do with podcasting in the future, I don't know. I will go on other people's shows. Be willing to go on your show or Jordan's show if I know enough about sports, which will be when, which will be when I'm 30, let's say. But I, I'm just sort of at a, at a precipice where I'm just thinking, how would I approach a situation like this, right? If I find it to be, I might do it. I might go into it. I might just do a history show. History sounds cool and all that. Make it more fun. But I'm, I can't really say that I'm guaranteed to go back to it. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like, that's sort of all I can say on that particular issue, if you were going to ask. I mean, for me, with my perspective is of if you should have someone else on your podcast or if you just ride solo, for me, I think you should ride solo. Ride solo? Why? Just knowing you and your personality and how I've been hanging out with you for a long time, you always want control and you want to talk a lot and you always take the main stage. And I always noticed that through when we have a group on the first group, it was me, you, Mark, and Legaspi. I think Jordan was there also, but I'm not sure. And uh, I remember most of the time it was basically you talking and then you asking someone else, like what you think about it or a follow-up question to someone else instead of me asking them so i feel like that's why you should ride solo because you would i feel like you would just want to take the whole initiative and like take control of everything yeah i guess that's something i should probably improve in is letting others speak right i hope that i am better at it honestly if there's like one quote-unquote new year's resolution that i have it's probably related to it's probably related to conversation and letting others speak 
you know? Mm-hmm. I'm unsure as to whether I'm better at it or not. You probably can judge it better since I can't judge myself on an objective level. Mm-hmm. But since you're outside of me and you could observe me as I am, instead of sort of like my own preconceived notions of myself, I think that's something that you could better judge versus some, versus me, Yeah. right? Is that something that you would judge like with me that I'm better at that sort of thing or I'm sort of very, or am I just similar, I guess? I mean, I would say improvement is coming there. It's not quite a hundred percent improved yet, but it's getting there. I mean, at the same time, we haven't, we, cause from middle school, we've been like hanging out every day, like, you know, recess to lunch, including like during class also. But when Loyola hit, we started growing our own separate ways. So, yeah. and then from the times I interacted with you at Loyola, I mean, I can see from the improvement from middle school to and Loyola. Yeah, I'd say that. Like, I guess it's a trend I've seen with people, and I'm sure you could agree with it. There's just, there's just, when people go to school or high school or from middle school to high school or high school to college or college beyond, there is more of a divergence of interests, right? Like with middle school, we hung out all the time. We hung out all the time because you sort of accepted me. Right? And I'm forever, I'll be forever grateful for that, honestly. That's something that if you did not do that, I would ne- I would not be the same person. I would be a very different person today, right? And I'm appreciative of that. But I would say that I'd agree with what you, say, what you said on that matter, which is that uh, as we grow and we become interested more in other things, there is going to be more of that distance, right? Mm-hmm. Like you became more insist- interested in business, for example. Right? Yeah. And while I can talk business and that's fun for me, it's not, I'm not crazy about it, you know? While let's say with me, for example, right? I like history a lot and that's been very consistent. I've come to love it even more. There's and there's politics along with that too, but you're not crazy about politics either. If anything, you probably don't like it that much. Yeah, I don't like. You it. don't like I, it that I, much. I don't want to mess with it. I I stay away from it. Yeah, and that's completely fair, and that's how people are, right? But I guess it's just sort of what growing up is like, you know. It's just a lot going on, and there's you have so many dreams and ambitions, and what you want to do, how you're going to do it, what you're going to do, right? Yeah, and that's something I think about at night. That's something that I do think about. That's something that I think about. Yeah, I think everyone thinks about what they can do and any ambition they want, they want to chase, and. It's always there's a doubt in like the outside world, but then it all comes down to mental. But at the end of the day, we got to do what we got to do and we got to do what we love to do. And yeah. note saying that I'm going to wrap this podcast up. And yeah, until next time, peace. <laughs>